0: Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. All right, let's go. Let's turn to our Bible. Go with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. I've been doing a, a, a series on sonship, talking about the different um, aspects of that sonship that we have with the Father. My mother just texted me and said, "Poolcat." I don't even think she's here. Where is my mother? Everybody text my mother and see where she is. <laughs> oh, it was her idea. Oh, thank you. Uh huh. Okay, I know who to blame now. All right, let's go. Galatians chapter three. Let me talk to you this morning a, a little bit. Let me give you a recap of where we were. Last week, I did a message entitled approved, accepted, and approved that the Bible says that we are brought to a place of righteousness, that you and I can be considered righteous. And what was that meaning of righteous? It means a state or a condition of being accepted or a state of being approved. How many know that you and I can come to a place in our life where God accepts us and approves of us? Thank you for your enthusiastic, okay? Uh, It's just it's what happens. And yet, how does that happen? Does it happen by what I do, what I don't do? No. No, we'll talk about that stuff later. But the Bible clearly tells me that I come to a place of being accepted and approved by God when I come to him in faith through what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. That when I come to him and my mouth confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord, and in my heart I believe that God raised him from the bed, the Bible says I'm saved. The Bible says I'm now righteous in the sight of God. God had a path to sonship. That path was Christ, not religious activity, how many know religious activity can never produce sonship with God? Right? It just, it just can't. All right? Some choose the path of legalistic observation. Some choose the path of good works. Some choose the path of sacrifice. And the fact is, we should do all of those things. But all of those things come as a result of being a son, not in order to try to get to be a son of God. All right? So we enter it by faith and faith alone. All right? Sonship was established in the heart of the Father... Before the foundation of the world. That was his plan for us from the beginning. All right. So now today I want to transition a little bit. I want to go, go to Galatians chapter three. And I want to talk to you for just a few minutes. <laughs> Cash talked for a few minutes. I'm going to be more than a few minutes. You know, I'm going to tell you what. You might even get a poem today about the guardian of the children. I'm putting the pressure on somebody. You should see, man, I got a lady in my church. She's like two rows behind you that I preach. By the time I'm done preaching, she writes a poem about my sermon. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And, and you never know. You might get one on guardian of the children because I really felt the Lord put that on my heart when I was sitting there. So I'm pretty sure the Spirit of God is talking. Okay. No, snake is taken. That's Andy. Andy is snake. That name's taken. Okay. All right. So Galatians chapter three, let's begin here. Paul says to them in the book of Galatians, verse one, you foolish Galatians. How many love it when somebody calls you a fool, right? You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. This is what I want to know from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Alright, so Paul's coming back to the Galatians who were Gentile believers, and he's saying to them, whoa, 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 because what was happening in the church is that people were coming to them and saying they had to go through certain of the Old Testament law in order to be considered saved. Paul is saying, wait a minute. Who's bewitched you? Who's tricked you? Who's fooled you? Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law? Or did you receive it by faith? The answer to that, obviously, was they received the Spirit of God by faith. Alright? Now, The next verse we want to look at is, so then does he who provides you with the spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Even so, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Okay, so how did Abraham become a righteous man in the eyes of God? The Bible tells us he did it by faith. The Bible says he believed God. How many know Abraham existed before the law of God? I mean, he existed hundreds of years, hundreds of years before the law of God. All right. So we're just, I'm going to do for the first five, 10 minutes, I'm just going to set some foundational scriptures, and then I'm going to bring some principles that we can apply to our life. All right. So listen to me. So now we move to this verse. So Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. The only way that you are declared righteous in the sight of God is through faith in Jesus, through believing God. Now, the next verse is, now the promises were spoken to Abraham into a seed. So God came to him. God spoke a promise to him. And the Bible says that that he spoke a promise to Abraham's seed, saying he does not say, and to seeds. Hmm. As referring to many, but rather to one. And to your seed, that is Christ. What I'm saying is this. The law, which came 430 years later, does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to nullify the promise. So let me set this up. So God came to Abraham. He said, I'm going to make you a promise that through your seed, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. That seed that God was referring to was Jesus Christ. Not Isaac, Jesus Christ. Okay? And he said, all the nations of the world will be blessed by that seed. But now... We go hundreds of years later, and God introduces something called the law, the law of God, the law of Moses. And he introduces this law. Why did he do it? Next verse. Why the law? It was added because of sin, because of transgression. Having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator. All right, so here's what God is saying. That Paul's saying this, that God, because of the sins of man, brought the law of God onto the face of the earth. He ordained it by the angels in heaven, given through a mediator by the name of Moses. All right? Until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. Until who? The law was given until Jesus came upon the earth. All right, Let's, I'm, just, I'm just setting this up for us this morning. Now, but, now watch this. So Paul Paul goes on and says, but before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith, which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law became our tutor to lead us to Christ. Do you know the law of God never was there to lead you to heaven? The law of God could not produce a righteousness in you. The law of God could not do that. The law of God could not bring you to heaven. It only was there to lead you to Christ. Because how many know when you see the law, you say, I need Jesus. Because I can't keep the law. All right? I I can't. I cannot perfectly keep that. Because I'm going to tell you something. You know, look at the law of God. Some of these things, all right? Thou have no other God before me. How many know sometimes we make idols out of things in our life? All right? How about this? All right? Because Jesus, how many know Jesus actually ratcheted it all up in the New Testament? All right, I personally have not ever murdered anybody. And that's when you should all say, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Not that I haven't been tempted. (laughs) But I have killed them with my tongue. I have killed them with my tongue. I have spoken what Jesus said. I tell you, if you're even angry with your brother. I have done that. Guilty. Anybody else guilty with me today? Right? So let us understand. We may not have done the Old Testament, but how I many know Jesus kind of ratcheted it up in the New Testament? All right, so watch this. So the law was given as a tutor to lead us to Christ. So we will be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. How I many know I don't need the law now? I'm not saying we don't live with righteous standards. But how many know the law no longer points me to Christ? Okay. For you are all sons of God. How? Through faith in Christ Jesus. So you you no longer need a tutor because now you are a son of God. I don't need a tutor because I got my father. I don't need a tutor called the law because I have the spirit of God. All right, just setting it up. Watch this. But... When the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. I, 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 it's hard sometimes to come in here in a few minutes and unpack the whole depths of everything that Paul is saying. Because I'm going to tell you something. If I took it by piece, by piece, by piece, how many know we could just stay here till family fun night tonight? And how many know that none of you would have any fun in the next five hours? All right? So let's get and take a look at this. So Paul says, at the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son. Let us understand what is going on here. At the fullness of time, God sent the fullness of his son so that we might become the fullness of the sons of God. Do you understand something this morning? Do you understand God's plan for your life has always been to be a son of God? To always, his, his plan for your life has to always been a son of God. Now, when I'm using son today, how many know we know that means both male and female? I just kind of always throw that out there. I don't want us to get lost in that, all right? The p- fullness, the plan of God, is for you and I to always have become and to experience the fullness of what it means to be a son of God. All right, he sent his fullness so that you and I could experience his fullness. I cannot experience the fullness of God as a son outside the fullness of Jesus Christ. I just can't do it. All right, he sent his fullness so that you would be filled with the fullness of the son, the spirit of God. The plan for sons, listen to me, the plan for sons is not limited. How many of you have a limited plan for your son or daughter? No, why would you do that? Do you know that God never had a plan for you to be a limited son? He's always wanted the fullness of him to dwell within you. He's always wanted you to be filled to the fullness of God. All right? All right? excuse me now get this the plan for sons is never partial god says i'm going to send my son to the fullness of time so that i can bring my sons to the fullness of sonship so paul says this and he goes on he says now because you are sons uh-oh all right now let's, let me recap That's going to recap. I want us to make sure we get this. Because I'm telling you, the church today exists in this mentality. We kind of got this Old Testament, New Testament thing going on. We start with Jesus. We start with Calvary. And then we add Old Testament to it. We add old law to it. We we kind of got this. Okay, I'm going to start with Jesus, but then I'm going to add myself into it. All right? So now. The Bible tells me that I become a son of God through faith. That when I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and I believe that God raised him from the dead, I'm saved and I become a child of God. I become a son of God. All right? Now, watch this. Because I'm a son. Everybody say, everybody say because. How many know that because is pointing back to what was just said? Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts. Now, let me stop there for a moment. Do you know this morning that the spirit of the begotten son is the same spirit of the adopt, as the adopted sons? The same, the same spirit that lived in Christ Jesus and raised Christ Jesus from the dead, can I get everybody to say amen, that same spirit lives in you. Okay, let us, like how, how many ever read the Bible sometimes and say, well, that's just for Jesus? I mean, if it's just for Jesus, we might as well stop just reading the Bible. No. We might as well just stop. If we're, all, we're gonna, if we're gonna read it and say, well, that's only for Jesus because Jesus was the son of God. Jesus was the son of God, but he was fully man who walked the face of the earth as a man filled with the Holy Spirit of God inside of him. And the Bible tells me that same spirit lives in me. Okay? Adopted sons have the same spirit as the begotten son. There's no level of spirit for the begotten son and the adopted son. All right? That same spirit lives in us, lived in him. We've got to get rid of this notion that the spirit of Jesus was different than the spirit for me. If we don't live with that mentality, how many know we will always live short of the fullness God had planned for us? The difference... Was never the spirit. The difference was the vessel. Boy, I'm either like really making you upset or I'm just dirt boring today. Or all you women are still hungover from the weekend. The difference wasn't the spirit of God, the difference was the vessel. The difference was not the Spirit. The difference was the receptacle or the container. I mean, I'm the difference, not the Spirit. I'm the difference, not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, uh, we, we often sometimes think that there's levels of the Spirit. How many know there's no, how, how mean, know, I can't be less of me? This is what you get, baby. This is what you get, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I cannot exist today as half Jim. I'd like to be half of Jim, but I'm not. (laughs) Okay, I'm just telling you. The fact of the matter is, this is who I am. This is what I am. I can't be less than me. The Spirit of God cannot be less than the Spirit of God. We cannot reduce the Spirit of God to some level. We cannot reduce the Spirit of God to something That God never meant for How many know that when he gave us the spirit, he's giving us the spirit in fullness, and it's rather or not we tap into the fullness? He's no respecter of persons, is he? And so here's what Paul said. Because your sons, God sent his spirit into, the spirit of his son into the hearts of the father. The spirit of the begotten son is the spirit of the adopted sons. He says, the Spirit of the Son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. The Spirit into our heart crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then you're an heir through God. And everybody should say, thank you, Jesus, for that verse that verse says so much. It says, I used to be a slave to sin. I used to be a slave to unrighteousness. I used to be a slave to works of the law. But now, because I believe in Jesus Christ, because I confessed with my mouth that he's Lord, now I become a son of God who gives me his spirit. And now I'm no longer a slave. I'm a son and I'm an heir with Jesus. That is such good news. And yet many of us live still as slaves. We still live short of the calling and the fullness of what it means to be the sons of God. So let's talk about this for just a few more moments. Everybody likes a few more, right? Let me talk to you. I was listening to Rick yesterday morning, and, and I was hearing him give his testimony. I heard a the Spirit of the Lord speaking to me and talked about an orphan spirit. And I don't know how much I, I know about that, what they, we, they phrase that today's world. But um, but let me talk to you for a moment about it. I begin to think about this orphan spirit. How many know if you're an orphan, you don't have a father? How many know fathers shape identity? How many know mothers do too? But how many know fathers help shape identity? They give identity, they give name, they give they give a lot of things, all right? And yet there's a lot of people today who are in the world without a father. There's a lot of people who have been Fathers have died. Fathers are gone. Fathers have left them. Fathers have rejected them. Fathers are are home but absent. I mean, that's a real tragedy. All right? And yet in the spirit realm, there's a lot of orphans, right? Before we were sons of God, how many know the Bible says we were slaves? Before we were sons of God, we were orphans, right? And so now I'm going to talk to you about an orphan. The orphan spirit is a fatherless spirit that doesn't have one to whom to cry or know one to whom to cry. If I'm an orphan today, I can't go to my father because I don't have one. If I'm a earthly, physical orphan today, I don't have an advocate called a father. I don't have a provider called a father. I don't have one that I can get my identity from called a father. I don't have this one therefore i can't cry out to him and then not only do i not have him i don't even know one to whom i can look to that's how we were before we came to christ an orphan outside the fathering of god outside Being a child of God, outside of God. How many know we were all created in the image of God, but we couldn't become sons of God until faith in Jesus Christ? And so I was this orphan, living under the elementary principles of this world, living in this world according to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, living according to all this garbage until I come to faith in Jesus. And now, an orphan spirit is a fatherless spirit that doesn't have one to whom to cry or no one to whom to cry. But when we become sons through faith in the faith, the spirit points and now says, there's your father. All of a sudden, Paul says, and because you're a son, God puts his spirit in you, and the spirit through you cries out, I'm a father. I know who my father is. I know where my father is. I know who I cry to. I know who shapes my identity. I know who he is now. That, do you understand how important that is? Rick Vaughn, do you not understand how important that is? Rick Vaughn was rejected by a father, rejected, pushed away, abused by those who were supposed to be. Years of addiction, years of junk, years of garbage until he became a son of God. And the son of God begins to mold and to shape. And the Son of God begins to restore. And the Son of God, as the Son of God, he begins to be renewed and created and reshaped according to the image of his creator. And now, when Rick is in a place, where does his spirit cry? His spirit cries, Abba, Father. I thought about this term a lot this week. And I'm just gonna share a few things that I have thought about this. Think about this. You were a slave, the Bible says. But now you get a vision of who your father is. It's a cry. It's a cry of our heart. It's a cry of identification. I know who I am. I know who my father is. I know the world has tried to shape who I am. Do you understand? You'll never find your true identity until you find it in Christ. That's true. You'll never find it. You can't give it to you. Stuff can't give it to you. Money can't give it to you. Things can't give it to you. Another person can't give it to you. A drug can't give it to you. A bottle can't give it to you. It doesn't matter. We've been. How many know? We all try to shape an identity. Come on. I want to be shark. Tad (laughs) pull. I just spoke all these good things about you. Come on, we all shape, we've been trying to shape our identity since we were born. We've been trying to fit in. Come on, let's be honest. We've been trying to fit in. We've been trying to mold an identity. We've been trying to mold an image. We go to school, we gotta have the right clothes. Come on, everybody know? Look, there's a reason I got these dumb skinny jeans on. I like them, and I'm trying to be cool. I'm trying to be cool, trying to fit in. I'm trying to be cool. It don't matter what I'm wearing. I'm still a 54-year-old, old, old middle-aged, chubby guy. You can change the clothes. You can change the hairstyle. You get five, you cover it up more, all right? Told you before, Micah has a man bun. I had a man, biscuit, a man breadstick. All right? And you do all these things, but nothing changes the identity. None of this changes it. I'm still who I am. We've been, shaped, we've been trying to get an identity. You've been trying to get it from stuff. You've been trying to get it from things. You've been trying to get it. How about we cry out, Abba, Father, I know who you are. And you know who I am. And I'm not going to view myself through who I say I am, who the devil says I am, who my mother said I am, who my father says I am. I'm talking about in a negative sense. Who others have said I am. I'm going to view myself through who you say I am. It's a cry of identity. It's a cry of liberation. Paul's talking about going from a slave to a son. I don't know about you, but being a son is far better than being a slave. I think <laughs> that there's a moment, there's a transaction that takes place in the spirit realm. There's a transaction that takes place, and this transaction takes me from being a slave to a son. Paul was referring to Roman adoption, and I won't get into all of that. But all of a sudden, this is a cry: I, "I'm no longer a slave. I'm a son. That's my father." I know who my master used to be. I know who my oppressor used to be. But now I know who my father is. And my father has set me free. It's a cry of liberation. It's a cry of intimacy. Many people interpret the word as meaning simply daddy. It's a very intimate term that says daddy. But let me say this to you. I've seen a lot of people over the years think, well, if I just use the phrase daddy, I'll be more intimate with God. You could use whatever phrase you want, but intimacy doesn't begin with the words out of your mouth. It begins with the meditations of your heart. It begins with quiet time with the Lord. It begins with a relationship with God and getting one with the father. And it doesn't matter what you say out of your mouth at that point. You understand what I'm saying? We've turned some things into a pre- prescribed formula of this is what it looks like. No, 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 no. Let me say this to you. Intimacy is something that you plan with your God. Okay? All right. Let me say it this way. Intimacy comes from intention. Right? Okay. Some of you are all looking at me like I'm crazy. That might be true, but I'm still right. <laughs> That's true, too. Okay. Do we have adults in the room? Some of you think you're adults. you are got to be kidding. How many of you know that there are moments in your life where you have schemed men and you have planned men because you wanted to have an, a moment of intentional intimacy? Thank you for one honest man in the house. <laughs> the rest of you are dopes. If you haven't been knowing that, there's something wrong with you. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> Papa Pastor, are you talking about that three-letter word? Yes, I am. I'm not going to say it for the ears. But for crying out loud, you planned it. You, you, okay, listen to me. How many know you can have planned moments of intentional intimacy with your God? You're ah, Abba, Father, I'm here. I spend time with you. And there's an intimacy, intimacy that develops in that relationship. It's never been meant to be a cold, calloused, religious approach to God. How many know that when He gave His Son on Calvary's cross, it was not a cold, institutional approach to having a relationship with You? It's a cry of intimacy. Just thinking about this phrase, three times it's used in the book, in, in the Bible that we see it, Abba used. Once is in Romans chapter 8, once is here in Galatians. Then there's another place, Mark chapter 14, from Jesus in the garden, the deepest, darkest moment of his earthly existence, when the weight of the world was upon his shoulders, when the weight of the world was pressing him down, when he was facing the greatest trial of his life. And he's in that garden, and, the, and I tell you what, he did not want to be there. He did not want to go to the cross. And in the midst of that depressing situation, he cries out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Nothing is impossible for you. If you're willing, you could take this from me. Yet, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Think about this. It was a cry in that moment. In that moment, it was a cry of Abba, Father, I need your help. I need your strength. Have you ever cried out in that moment of desperation? Who do you call? Who do you call in your greatest hour of need? Who can you cry out to? Jesus says, Abba, Father, I need your help. I need your strength. I was waving at the grandson. Let me tell you something. The Bible says there's no greater name than the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let me tell you what, the second one is Pappy. <laughs> Hot dude. Ha <laughs> baby girl. How many know there's something whenever come on, come on, let me just stop for a moment. Let me tell you. How many know there's something special when you're a dad and all of a sudden you can hear your children's voice? You hear them in the midst of a crowd calling out, Daddy, Daddy. How many know you can tell the difference between a sound of joy and a sound of trouble? How many know when it's the sound of trouble you jump? Right? Let me tell you what, it doesn't change when you become Pappy when you hear Pappy, Pappy. Yeah, that's me. That's me. Yes, Rick, I am the number one. I'm sorry. Just deal with it, okay? Because as long as I have the mic, I will be number one. (laughs) All right? But listen to me. It it, it produces a sound. And sometimes it's joy. Sometimes it's they go and do something. Sometimes it's help. In this moment, Jesus cries out to his father, I need your strength. I need your help. Where do you go in your deepest, darkest moments? Where do you go when the world's crushing you? Where do you go when your heart is broken? Where do you go when you don't know if you can make it one more day? Do you just go, Abba, Father, I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. I need you to strengthen me. Where do you go when your wife's heart is broke? Where do you go when your daughter's heart is broke? Where do you go when your son is found in a river? You say, Father, Father, I need your help. I'm not making this about me. I'm just bringing flesh to it today. You say, God, I can't deal with me. I can't deal with this. I'm a father. I need help. But you can't cry out to the one you don't know. And it's the Spirit of God that lets me know who he is. By the Spirit of God, you cry out, Abba Father. It's a cry for help. It's a cry. I noticed with Jesus, it was a cry for help, but it also was a cry for surrender. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. You see, because Abba Father not only means intimacy, but how many know it also has a title of honor and respect to it? And I bring myself to a place where I look at Him and say, You're my Father. Not only will I have intimacy with you, but I also will obey you and I also will honor you. And I cannot do that without the Spirit of God. Because I mean, no, my flesh does want to obey. Is <laughs> your flesh? Oh, you all saved, sanctified. <laughs> Is there any heathens here I can speak to today? Like I, I need a few heathens to speak to because the rest of you saved, sanctified, righteous people are just killing me. It's just sometimes I don't want to do it, but it's the Spirit of God working in me that leads me to do it. It's a cry. Now, listen. So, it's a cry for help. It's a cry of intimacy. It's a cry of identification. It's all these things. But but something hit me. Early this morning, I was sitting there looking over my mother. Something hit me. Let us not forget this cry. Let us not forget this. It's also a cry of celebration. Come on. I'm a father. That's my father. I I rejoice, listen to me I rejoice because of the earthly father I had I had a good dad a good man and I can celebrate him and I speak well of him and people speak well of him to me Craig's always telling me your dad was such a good man and so I celebrate him come on man Your father sent his son so you could become a son. And I'm here to tell you about my dad. I'm here to tell you about my father. Listen to me. When you start bragging about your dad, you're going to have more joy in your Christian walk. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Let me tell you about my father. Let me tell you how good he is. We sing a song. You are good. I don't know about you, but that resonates in my spirit. It's a cry. Of celebration. It's a cry of celebration. You see, the point this morning is this. The point is, you've got to come to a fullness of sonship. But I, but I began to think about this. Stuff. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. But how do we come to that fullness of sonship? How does that happen? Come on, Troy. We're going to get ready to close because that'll give people hope. Oh, no, you've said amen. You haven't said amen the whole sermon. Now you said amen. Oh, my goodness. Can you tell me a little ornery today? I, I, I want a name. I'm trying to work up a name. <laughs> you see, I'm going to get into later on what it means, what it looks like to be a son. But you can't be a son until you can identify with your father. You can't mimic the father you don't know. Paul said. That he put his spirit in me that enables me to recognize my Father. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. And now in my heart, in my heart, I'm identifying. I'm speaking, Father. I'm identifying with him. I'm having intimacy with him. I can go to him when I have, need help. I celebrate him. This is the cry of the sons. The cry of the sons. Not the cry of a slave. I'm not a slave. I'm a son. I'm a son. You're a son. May your mouth begin to speak like a son. And the greatest thing that your mouth can speak is, I'm a father. You know... We often talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let me tell you one thing I believe. And again, I'm not, I don't want to get, because the moment you say, well, this is the greatest thing or that's the greatest thing. But I'm going to tell you what I believe a top priority of the Holy Spirit is. The top priority of the Holy Spirit is to reveal the Father to you. It's to reveal the Father to you. Because once you get a revelation of who the Father is, you can get a revelation to who the Son is. I'm talking about you. I can't get a revelation of who I am as a son till I get a revelation of who he is as a father. And what he has planned for me and what he wants for me is to be a full son of God who speaks by the Spirit of God Abba, Father. I know who I am. I know who you are. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. I know where to go when I've been needing help. Abba, Father. I'm going to celebrate you this morning. Hey, you're going to sing good, good father? Good. Just happened to hit me. It's not just a, this is a song of the sons this morning. It's a great song. We've sang it 597,000 times. But it's a song of the sons. And this morning, the sons are going to sing it. The sons of God are going to cry out. He's a good, good father. your spirit churning within you anybody anybody got a heart that's burning this morning he hmm? says so, man i'm a son i know who i am you know it's, it's funny how many of you know you can recognize the son how many know you can recognize the father by the son all right if i see aaron bell i see george bell it's a fact i see rj well, he's better looking than you. But I see RJ. I see Rusty. Amen. Right? Revelation of the Father comes to the sons. Listen to me as I close. There's a world that definitely need, desperately needs a revelation of the Father, and where it's going to come from is you, the sons of God, who've learned to cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Father, today, would you help make this real to our hearts? That you're a good Father. And Lord, we get our identity from you. We get intimacy with you. We celebrate you. Joy comes from you. surrender to you, not in a subservient way like a slave. No, 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 no. As obedient sons. Father, today I just put, put a small nugget into our hearts that you because we're sons because we're sons have chosen to put the spirit of your son inside of us so that we can become like your son. And it's by that spirit that we now resonate, that we now communicate, that we now can, can, can relate to the God of heavens as our father, the one who created us, the one who shaped us, the one who formed us. And Today our heart cries out, you're a good father. You're a good father. And we celebrate you this morning. The sons celebrate you this morning. We come to you in moments of need. We come to you in moments of anguish. We come to you in moments when we need to. But right now, we come to you and we celebrate you. Father, may nobody leave this house today without knowing they're a son of God. Father, this morning, this is a real simple thing. It doesn't have to be an altar call. It doesn't have to be anything. All it has to be is simply saying, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. That in their hearts, they're saying, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. They say with your mouth, I confess it. I believe that Jesus is Lord. Come on, church, let's say it together. I believe Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, this morning, raise up sons who cry out, Abba, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, Troy, sing.